Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With conditions remaining dry, very little cottonseed has gone into the ground in the Texas High Plains, but rain or no rain, crop insurance planting deadlines may force the issue soon. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A Blacklands Spring Corn Update. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. It's been said that Texans have a love affair with turf grass. I'm not sure that's true, but we do enjoy green grass during the summertime. Please join me, John Begnaud, as we talk about turf grass management in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The historic Four Sixes Ranch has a new owner. Jessica Domel has the details. After less than a year on the market, the historic Four Sixes Ranch is reportedly under contract for the first time in its 150-year history. According to the Texas Spur newspaper, the buyer is the creator's group for the popular television show Yellowstone, which filmed segments on the ranch last year. While the exact sale price has not yet been released, the ranch is listed for more than $347 million by Chaz S. Middleton and Sons of Lubbock. Middleton told the Texas Spur all three of the ranch's divisions will be sold together to a group who plan to carry on the four sixes tradition and stay in the ranching business. The paper reached out to Texas native Taylor Sheridan, creator of Yellowstone, who couldn't comment on the pending transaction, but said the legacy of the ranch is so important to him, he chose to highlight it in the upcoming season of Yellowstone. He said he'll continue to further the legacy of the historic ranch and preserve its operation. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The crisis on the Texas border is worse than many farmers and ranchers there have ever seen. That's according to Demet County rancher Bill Martin. He says the situation is getting more and more dangerous. Prior to this year, I bet I went two years without seeing a single illegal. They got to where they were afraid to walk up to you. And in the last two weeks, I've seen more than I saw in the previous two years. So they're coming over. The Border Patrol's overwhelmed. Ranchers are angry and frustrated. We can't keep gates closed. We can't keep water sources where they need to be. Uh, houses are getting broken into and they're not taking food and water anymore. A friend of mine had his house broken into. My neighbor, uh, Christmas Eve, stole all his wife's sunglasses, her perfume, and all the liquor, wired his hot, hot wired his mule, and took off with it all. Martin says he has ranched on the border his entire life, and this is the worst he has ever seen it. Daily, I run into people at the ranch. They want me to point them out which direction is Creso Springs. Uh, practically daily, I have, I have uh, water issues. I found a water line that was left running 
The other day, they opened a valve to where the water ran out in the dirt tank rather than up in a plastic tank, and if I hadn't found it, it would show it at the pressure pump. That would have cost me about $1,500. But luckily, I got there, and it was a uh, pasture doesn't have any cattle in it, and, and I was glad I went. Uh, fences have been run through, houses have been broken into. Um, yesterday, I had to clean up what ended up being about 50 pounds of. Uh, leftover backpacks, uh, clothes, water bottles, gloves, shoes, everything that they don't need for the next stage of their journey, they just leave for me to clean up. So we put it in all a big pile and got a couple of gallons of diesel just burn it up. You can find more farmer and rancher testimonies at our website, texasfarmbureau.org. The potential for a profitable cotton crop is very good right now, but Texas High Plains cotton growers are waiting for a rain to get the crop in the ground. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. When I last checked in with Steve Verrett of Plains Cotton Growers about a month ago, the December futures contract was drifting down in about the 77 to 78 cent range. Since then, there's been a healthy rebound back up to around 85 cents a pound, which Verrett says should make profits achievable, although good yields will be essential to the equation. We certainly have seen an increase in all input costs, from fertilizer to chemicals. Just about everything that you go and try to buy, parts, have all seen an increase in price. So certainly, we need prices in the mid-80s in order to offset some of the input costs and then have an average or normal crop to go along with that. Before farmers can get that crop, of course, they have to plant it first. But with conditions remaining dry, Verrett believes there hasn't been much movement on that yet in the Texas High Plains. If we were sitting here with a full profile of moisture, I think people would be much more aggressive at getting planted. Nevertheless, Verrett expects to see planters rolling next week, especially in the northern part of our region, where farmers have that earlier May 31st crop insurance deadline. Probably be mainly on the irrigated land where they have the ability they've either pre-watered and have adequate moisture to plant into or will plan on planting and then watering the crop up. Dry land acres will tend to wait closer to the final plant date before they go out and put seed into the ground. The cotton that's intended to be planted will be planted by the final plant date. And with that said, it seems likely there will be some dry land farmers planting into dry soil and hoping rains will come soon to get the crop above ground. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The corn crop in the central Texas Blacklands is up and growing quickly. But as Tom Nicoletti tells us, the weather has been creating plenty of challenges this year. For today's program, we go to the Brazos Valley and Steve Carlson is my guest. He is an agronomist for DeKalb Delta Pine. And uh, Steve, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, uh, the corn crop uh, in the Blacklands of Texas. And uh, the stands are up, but uh, still there are some concerns uh, with uh, the way the weather has been playing havoc with uh, farmers this spring, right? Yes, sir. You're exactly right. We've had, um, from a weather standpoint, um, starting back in February when we had that snowstorm, we've been a little bit late planting corn. And then once we did get it in, we've had some weather that we had to deal with, some very cool mornings. And then we also had across central Texas a couple weeks ago, we had some severe storms that come through and we had some areas that took some pretty heavy hail. It's been a tough struggle getting this corn up and going this year. Steve, explain the corn fertilization farmers need to consider, especially the timing of applications producers need to address this spring with regards to the vegetative emergence scale. So what we're working on right now, a lot of this corn is going to run from, if I get up in North Texas, we're in the 
B3 to B4 stage. As we come south through Hillsborough and then and then down into the southern Blacklands, we're going to be somewhere in that B6 to B8 state. So the key things is is a lot of growers in this part of Central Texas do a lot of side dressing on corn, and we've had some new tools and technology over the years that have allowed us a little bit more flexibility when we make that side dress application. And so, you know, one of the biggest questions is is how late is too late, and for us, some of the research work we've done over the years is, is we'd like to get it in by V8 or, or V10. And, and, Tom, that's kind of in line with we're trying to give this crop, especially from a nitrogen standpoint, give it the majority of its nitrogen when when the corn crop can use it. Obviously, timing is critical at this point uh, in the game. So what other factors do corn farmers need to be aware of in order to uh, hopefully have a successful crop and uh, harvest uh, when harvest time comes? One of the things is we try to really talk about is, is understanding when that plant is going to use that nitrogen. And so with the majority of this crop being in that D4 to B6 range, at that time, that plant's not utilizing a tremendous amount of nitrogen, probably somewhere in the range of 25 to 30 pounds of nitrogen uh, up to that B6 stage. And then at that B6 stage, it's pretty critical because we're initiating both the castle and that year. That is DeKalb Delta Pine agronomist Steve Carlson from the Bryan College Station area. This is Texas News and Views. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Many Texans enjoy a nice green lawn in the spring and summer. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has some tips on getting that beautiful lawn started. Well, it's early May and it's, it's the time that turf grass has recovered from hard winter freezes and showing signs of rapid growth because it's warm and hopefully getting a little rainfall and if not some irrigation and we fall in a, an area that we call warm season turf grass. St. Augustine, Bermuda, and Buffalo are three of the major grasses. There are others. There are centipedes and zoysias. But we do, and we're able to, grow grass very well in most areas of Texas and because of abundant sunshine, temperature, and adequate water. Right now, we're at a mowing situation where we're getting so much more green growth that we are frequently mowing, and that is a key to healthy turf grass. If you think about golf greens, they may mow those things because it's kind of artificially kept very short, very frequently, like every other day. You and I don't want to become a slave to our turf grass, and we really don't want to mow that frequently. But it's important that we do mow often enough that at the height that we desire it to be, we're not removing any more than one-third of the above-ground growth at any one mowing. Let's say you and I go off on vacation, we don't hire somebody to mow, and then we come back and it's four inches tall, and we take two inches off, well, we have cut half of it. That stresses turf grass. It can damage the root systems, takes a while to recover. So frequency is important as well as how much you take off. Now, another thing that's very important is the height. We constantly say that Bermuda grass likes a little shorter, inch and a half high at this time of the year where St. Augustine is like two and a half inches high at this time of year. This gives us room as we approach the real hot, dry summer months of raising it a half an inch or a little more because research shows that grass can be stronger and tougher and resistant to drought if it's a little bit taller and we're not mowing quite as much off. Back to fertilizer right now, yes, you could theoretically, if you're using a time-release fertilizer, do it once or twice a year something to promote growth like a high quick release 2100 you might be fertilizing once a month so remember fertilize mow with sharp blades frequently and make sure you're at the proper height 
This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo. A new book by a Texas author is helping people improve their aim and their cooking. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And artificial insemination has been around for a long time, and it's still an important tool for both beef and cattle herds. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Artificial insemination has been around for over 80 years, and it's still an important tool for improving cattle herds. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Artificial insemination, or AI, has some great advantages in livestock, as you can breed your stock to very good quality males without having to purchase them. However, to be cost-effective, you must be successful and have a good percentage of pregnancies with your AI program. Dr. Karen Johnson indicates at Bovine Vet Online that proper semen handling is still an important technique in AI as the semen may be very expensive. Handling the semen straws with tweezers is a good idea because handling the straw with your fingers can lead to premature thawing. Also, only handle the number of straws you can use within 15 minutes of thawing. Once the straw is removed from the semen tank, shake it to eliminate any liquid nitrogen at the end of the cotton plug, and most semen is thawed at 95 degrees Fahrenheit for 45 seconds. The temperature and time must be correct for thawing to be successful, so always check with the folks that sold you the semen about thawing instructions. Dr. Johnson indicates warming the breeding gun by stroking it vigorously five or six times and then place the straw inside the gun cotton plug first and cut the sealed end of the straw at a 90 degree angle. Enter the rectum, remove excess manure, clean the vulva, and slowly insert the gun at a 30 degree angle upwards. After entering the vagina, raise the gun to horizontal and work it through the cervical rings and deposit the semen in the uterine body. Depositing semen in the cervix can decrease the pregnancy rate. Lastly, clean your equipment and document that you use the correct semen in the correct cow. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new book by a Texas author is helping people improve their aim and their cooking. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. After decades of talking with dozens of the best shots and coaches on clay target courses, San Antonio author Ralph Winningham is sharing what he's learned with the public. Winningham's newest book, Busting Clays and Cooking Game with Old Boots and Bacon Grease 2, includes a wealth of information for shooters of all skill levels. I've been hunting and fishing and cooking since I was about nine years old. I'm 67 now, so nearly 60 years. I'm also the uh, 1984 world champion live pigeon shooter, Tampa Live Fire champion. And so I've been around a lot of really good shooters and cooks. I've been covering hunting camps and uh, doing stories like that for 
long, long time, and uh, that's where I acquired all the knowledge. He's also included more than a dozen recipes for wild game, including venison stew, Dutch oven pasta with venison, shepherd's pie, creole steak, dove tacos, quail kebabs, and stuffed catfish fillets. The recipes that can be made at a hunting or fishing camp or taken to a hunting or fishing camp. Uh, I like to keep things simple and informative, and I've been in this business for 40 years. I'm a communicator. I like to communicate different ideas and concepts and things like that, but I want to keep it simple and correct and forward and uh, easy to read, and uh, I think that book accomplishes that. You can order Winningham's books on his website, ralphwinningham.com. That's R-A-L-P-H-W-I-N-I-N-G-H-A-M.com. You can also email him to order. His email address is R-W-I-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at A-T-T dot net. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was one of those rare days on Wednesday when the corn market jumped higher and cattle prices moved higher also. We'll take a closer look at Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Normally, when you see a big run-up in corn prices, you see the cattle market drop. We've seen that happen a lot lately. However, on Wednesday, we had both higher cattle and corn prices. We ended up closing higher for both live and feeder cattle futures with June live cattle up $1.40, $114.42, August up $1.10, $117.72, October live cattle up $1.35, $123.10, May feeder cattle up $1.72, $131.47, August feeders up $205 at $145.22. We had some light cash fed cattle trade on Wednesday. The online fed cattle exchange sold cattle. We had 1,038 head of Texas cattle sold on the exchange. They brought 118.50 to 119. Boxed beef prices continue to climb higher. Choice up another 395 at 305.17. Select up 314 to 87.05. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway. It's time to talk to Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction. He sells them in Mason on Monday, San Sabbath Thursday, specials during the weekend. Ken, let's talk Mason. You bet, Larry. We ended up having a little lighter run today. Ended up over 207 head, and that was mainly due to the good rain. We had pretty well two and a half to three and a half. Some places had more than that. We're glad for that. With that today, I thought overall the stock steers pretty well sold steady today. I thought heifers were maybe probably two to three lower. Feeder steers, they sold two to three lower. Heifers sold three to four lower. Most of all that's due to the uh, really large increase in corn prices. Last Friday, they jumped up almost to $7.40, and it wasn't very long ago, uh, Larry, we were at $3.50 on corns. 
definitely increased our cost of gain on our cattle. That's pushed our market back a little softer as a whole. I thought over today, the pack of cows and bulls, they sold steady on a limited test. Really did not have any replacement females with a lot of run Larry to give a test on the market today. How is things shaping up for the Thursday sale? Well, I think uh, because the weather is looking better, we'll be able to dry out. Some of the folks get the cattle out and everything. We've got several groups we know coming on some calves and yearlings. Also, we do have a few pairs that's going to be there. They're getting ready for a big sell on Saturday. we got a little over 3,400 head for it, Larry. About 550 pair, 1,300 bred cows, 600 bred heifers, about 500-something open heifers, and then uh, I think we've got about 40-something exposed heifers. So a lot of quality, a lot of uh, good cattle that will be there. We do have those all listed on our website. We do have a lot of pictures, also videos on those cattle, too, and you can find all those at jordancattle.com, or they can give us a call, Larry, at area code 325 325- uh, Maybe that's Ken Jordan of Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Sabio. Be sure to be there on Saturday for the special. For Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and Walking the Pins, I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Continue to climb higher. May hogs up 22 cents, 111.37. June hogs up 87, closing at 114.42. Now, one quick note. That June lean hog contract finishing Wednesday at 114.42. June live cattle finished the day at the same price, 114.42. So we currently have hog and cattle prices exactly the same right now. Class 3 milk futures finished mixed. The May milk contract up 11, 1918, 100 weight. June milk down 7 at 1971. It was a fairly quiet trade Wednesday for the cotton market. We closed slightly higher. July cotton up 16 points, 87.33. October up 34, 87.01. December cotton up 34 points, 85.40. Both wheat and corn continued to run higher in price. The corn market, same story we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Dry weather concerns in Brazil are really putting a fire into the corn market right now, especially the new crop contracts. May corn was up eight and a half to close at 7.53 and a quarter. September corn up 20 and three quarters, 6.31. December corn up 24 and a quarter, 604 and three quarters. The wheat market got a lot of spillover support from the corn market. We closed with July Kansas City wheat up 17 and three quarters, 717 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 17 and three quarters at 744 and a half. In the energy markets, June natural gas down to 294. June crude oil down 31 cents at 6538 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 69 points, 34,203. The Nasdaq down 60 at 13,573. The S&P 500 unchanged at 4,164. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.